as we come to the end of this paragraph in First Peter 5, namely verses 10 and 11, I want to ask, how long are we going to suffer? What does that mean, little while? After you've suffered a little while, how long is that? And related to that is, what is Peter promising to us after that happens? What does is, what is he hold out to us? Because this is the hope that he holds out that enables us to press on in suffering and fight the devil effectively, as we've seen in verses 7 through 9. So those are my two questions. How long are we going to suffer? And what is the promise that sustains us in it and comes after it? Father, suffering is an awful thing. It's so easy to talk about and so difficult to endure. But you have spoken to us about it. You've spoken to us about it. And so help us to speak to ourselves about it now and get ready for it in the way Peter intends. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What does little while mean? It seems from the context that the end of the suffering is the eternal glory, and that these things, restoring, confirming, strengthening, and establishing, are done in that eternal glory. That's what it looks like to me. After you've suffered a little while, the one who called you to his eternal glory will do these things. So the eternal glory begins when this is over, which would mean this is a lifetime. Little while means a lifetime. Compare, to answer this question, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. That's exactly the same phrase as in chapter 5. We're in chapter 1, verse 6. In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, what's the, what's the boundary that ends this? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this little while is the duration of the sufferings, the trials, the griefs that end with the revelation of Jesus Christ so that the result of all of that little while suffering, like 80 years or so, will result in praise and glory and honor. Or consider what Peter says here in Chapter 1, verse 24, all flesh, everything merely human, is like grass, and all its glory, no matter how long-lived long or beautiful, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The contrast here is between ordinary human life as lasting a, a spring or a summer when, when the flower comes out and then the petals fall off. This is not, this is a little, little while. And the alternative is eternity. 
So I conclude that this little while here is a lifetime. It's not a month. It's 60, 70 years if God gives us that long or shorter if, we, if our lives are snuffed out. After you have gone through a season of lifelong suffering, the God of all grace will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. There's a connection between, between that statement and between that understanding of a little while and the glory that's coming. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.17. For this light and momentary affliction, momentary affliction, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. So eternal contrasts with momentary and affliction contrasts with glory. And isn't it the same back here? After you have suffered a little while, what you get is eternal, which corresponds to a little while, and glory, which corresponds to suffering. So the promise here is, even if you have to go through a lifetime of suffering, there is coming a glory that will a billion times over outweigh this suffering, and it will have a length infinitely longer than the little while of these 80 years. Now, what is promised in this eternal glory? First, we see that it is promised in Christ, which means the security of it isn't in ourselves. It is in the value of Christ and the work of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and the perfection and righteousness of Christ and the substitution of Christ in Christ is the great foundation of our eternal glory. And here's what happens to us after this awful suffering. He will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And I know that some interpreters take these to refer to things that happen in this life. But it seems to me that the flow of thought, the sequence here, after you've suffered a little while, glory comes, and the effect of that glory is this. Let's just take them one at a time. Restore. If, you're, if your body has been chopped to pieces or if you've been languishing in a, in a prison, you need mending and restoring. If there's going to be any glory at all, your body has to be put back together confirmed. You need to be put uh, on, a, on a firm, unshakable foundation after all this wobbly uncertainty of a little while of suffering. And you need to be strengthened so that you can do things that you've never been able to do or do things that you haven't been doing while you're suffering because so much strength has been depleted and you need to be established so that your future is absolutely unshakable and cannot be destroyed. And that's what's going to happen Here's the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. It's the resurrection of the body. What is sown as perishable is raised imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. And I think that imperishable, glorious, powerful body is what these are meant to communicate. He's going to restore that body, confirm that body with 
with a great solidity and, and strengthen that body and establish that body. It's just like Philippians 3.21 where he says, God will transform our lowly body, our lowly, broken, suffering body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. So the great hope beyond the little while of our lifelong suffering is an eternal glory, not, not short but long, glory, not suffering, and it will be a restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established body. And then he ends, to him be the dominion. And I just want to close by asking, why dominion and not glory? To him be the glory. Back in 4, 11 and 12, or just 11, I think it is, back in 4, 11, he, he says, to him be the, the, the glory and the dominion. And maybe it's because this, he has already said glory. You're going to eternal glory. And that glory is God's glory in Christ. And it, its effect on you when you see it is going to be this brand new glorious being that you become. What these poor, suffering, beleaguered saints need when they feel like the whole empire is against them is, is our God strong enough to pull this off. And Peter ends, to him be might, to him be power, to him be rule forever and ever. Not only is he able to pull it off against the great powers that stand against you in the Roman Empire or whatever empire you're in, but he is able to do it forever and ever. Believe this, trust this, as you go up against the devil and endure the suffering that he may call you into.